Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash Wondery, code Wondery. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes. But let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Hi, I'm Megan Segura. And I'm Eric J. Mack. And this is The Daily Dish, Bravo's official podcast. Well, Megan, before we get into it, I have a question for you. Yes. So I want to know where you fall on the Christmas tree spectrum in that are you an immediately after Thanksgiving, full speed ahead Christmas, the tree goes up? Or are you like, uh, let's wait, get into December, and then we can worry about decorating. Okay, I am firmly in the Thanksgiving is over. Let's talk about Christmas. Mainly because I've always felt that Thanksgiving was a throwaway holiday because you don't get gifts. (laughs) So what's the point? True. But yeah, after Thanksgiving meal was finished, immediately Christmas music went on, uh, went out to look at lights like that. I get so excited for Christmas. I'm going to celebrate it as long as possible. The problem is I'm moving on Friday. That's right. So I have to wait to get the tree. Oh no. But that can be one of the first things you help set up like in the new place, like move in, get everything arranged, like figure out where the tree is going to go. It's like it's like part of the move-in process. Yes. What about you? Well, I usually like a little bit of a buffer in between. Like I like Thanksgiving to end and be like, there's that. And then a little bit of time. But Danny and I pretty quickly after Thanksgiving, I think it was like the Saturday or Sunday after just last week that we went out and got the tree because we were like, look, 2020 has been a rough year for everybody. What sparks more joy than Christmas and decorating and lights and pretty shiny things. So we were like, let's just do it. Let's just get a tree. So it's all set up. It has Mariah on the top. Like I always put, we've got our decorations up and we're slowly now getting presents. I did a little, you know, shopping on small business Saturday. And like, I just feel like we deserve it. You know, like we've all earned a most wonderful time of the year, right? I might have to hit you up for some gift ideas later because men are so hard to shop for. I know, I know. I think I've mentioned it on the show before. It's one of those things that I'm just not good at, like picking out gifts for people. If I come across something, I convince myself in my mind that it will work for the person that I think it will work for, whether it actually does. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Well, speaking of Christmas gifts, we have an early one this year because we have Mm -hmm. the super tease for season five of The Real Housewives of Dallas. Oh my God. Okay, let's play the audio. Welcome to South Fork Ranch. We're doing a shot. (laughs) 
Who killed you? I don't know, I'm dead. This is how we do it in Dallas. This is a runway walk. How have we been handling the coronavirus? I think Andrew's about to have an orgasm. Oh my God, I love it. We've all taken this quarantining very seriously. Damn it. It's been really nice having a doctor around. She's sweet and I'm sour. Is it? You're working every day. Your job is a little different than what we do. I'm better than Doogie Hauser. All she does is give orders. No fighting and be honest. I know that's really hard in this group. You're very two-faced. I'm not two-faced. That's a lie. That's a lie. We've been getting along as we've been quarantining. Am I in middle school again? Hell yeah. Jimmy because I sure as hell feel like you think I'm an opportunistic person that does things for personal gain. You're darn right I do. I want to give them the childhood that I never had. They feel like you do not take me seriously. Probably true. Everyone wears a mask. I literally just myself. I may not be the type of friend that you expect, but I'm doing the best I can. You made one mistake, Brandon. One mistake. What you did was wrong. You know that. <laughs> She's innocent, but then I'm targeted. Yeah, I contemplated suicide. <laughs> that is so mean. <laughs> Whenever she drinks, she plays off the handle. I'm afraid what's gonna happen next. This world really could be coming to an end. I will only do so much, and I'm fing done. <laughs> I'm done with it. <laughs> All right. My first thought is new housewife, Dr. Tiffany Moon. She's getting a lot of attention in this super tease, which I feel like not every new housewife does. Right. That's true. Yeah. She in, is clearly very much in the thick of the drama, which is yeah. good. You know, mm -hmm. I thought it was interesting. All the stuff with Brandy, which I... I think is referring to some of the the more personal headlines that made the news last year. And I'm glad we're not glossing over that. But I don't know. I guess it's weird because are we I know this like it was filmed in the time of COVID, but on one hand they're wearing the masks, but on the other they're out and about and they're all together. It's just very confusing to me. Right. Yeah. I mean with something like a super tease, you're not really sure the actual order of events, right? So it's kind of like it, at one section in the middle, they're wearing those face shields, which I did notice we had those in the Real Housewives of Atlanta super tease too. So at least, you know, we're dealing with Orange County and Southern Charm right now where production had been shut down and it's just picking back up. So we're definitely going to see that that, that COVID experience. But, you know, the face shields oddly don't bother me. You know, they're kind of like an accessory. And they work as a dramatic accessory because Deandra <laughs> sort of slamming hers down at the end. Right, yeah, she's getting all dramatic, like slamming it down and like Brandy's trying to figure out how to take a sip of her drink with it. Like that will definitely add a layer of physical comedy that we don't always get with Housewives. But there is an awful lot of like falling and stumbling and all of that too that we saw in this in this trailer. I am so excited. That premiere is January 5th at 9, 8 central. Also with Real Housewives of Atlanta just around the corner premiering tomorrow, Sunday, 12, 6, we have season seven through 12 have been marathoning all week and I think are still going today. So check that out if you haven't because- we have a new season of Atlanta coming. Yep, that season 13 premiere is Sunday, December 6th at 8, 7 central. And 
perhaps my favorite season of Real Housewives of Potomac, probably everybody's, the finale is also on Sunday at 9, 8 central. So we are saying goodbye to a season that I have held very near and dear in the last you know few months being a part of the after show. So I can't believe it's coming to a close. But that said, this reunion is much needed. Yeah, I mean, we can't be too sad about the finale because the reunion is coming. All those pretty ladies in yellow. All right, well, what are we recapping today? We're talking about Real Housewives of Potomac, Real Housewives of Orange County, and Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Plus, we have an interview with the leader of the Shaw Squad, Jen Shaw from Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Okay, let's get into Potomac. So the big situation that's going on in this episode really is, did she or didn't she, Karen inviting Monique around the same time as Candace to this event, right? Right. Okay, so from my perspective, it seems like Karen was just trying to manage the situation to avoid them coming in contact with each other, but that's not really how everybody feels. Here is my thought that maybe Karen was, as you were saying, trying to manage it so that they weren't running into each other. Maybe that was her whole intention. Maybe she was trying to get them to see each other, but I do believe in my heart of hearts that if that were the case, it was coming from a good place that she wanted them to be able to have some sort of, but at the same time, now that it's gotten legally, you know, there's legal ramifications to all of this. I don't know that she would go that far. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And I think you can see it in Karen's face, how she is like rushing Monique out the door when she finds out that Candace is on her way. So maybe there was a miscommunication in the timing of the text and everything, but it was clear that she told Monique to come earlier and that she wanted Candace to come with the rest of the women so that Karen could have her way because she wants to be fair to both Candace and Monique through this whole process. And what's interesting is that in the after show, Karen actually admits that she should have clued Ashley into it because we see Ashley being like, well, she said in Portugal that, you know, you weren't going to come. But I think that was Karen just like trying to keep it simple and not overcomplicate it and reveal anything in front of Candace. Like she just wanted to keep it very clean and be like, no, Monique's not coming to the event because she came earlier than everybody else. Right, because if she says, well, yeah, I invited her, but don't worry, you're not going to see her, that just opens up a can of worms of, well, why are you talking to her? Aren't you my friend? And Karen's had enough of that. Yeah, exactly. And it sounds like even in this episode, Monique in her interview, she seems pretty understanding about it. Like she gets that, okay, yeah, I want to come and support my friend Karen. I understand that she doesn't want to cause more of a conflict than already exists. So, you know, it was weird that, you know, Ashley brought up that, that, uh, you know, she said I wasn't invited in Portugal and all of that. But I, you know, at the end of the day, I think Karen was just trying to protect the two people in her life that she cares about. And, you know, I don't think everybody read it that way. Right. But I agree with you. Yeah. One question I have for you is, do you think that Ashley's family knew of her and Michael's we'll call it the unconventional marriage prior to this season airing? Now that everything's kind of come out on the show. Yeah, it's so funny. I never even stopped to consider that. Right. On one hand, Ashley and her mom are super close. But on the other hand, that's not really necessarily something you would want to, you know, any aspect of your sex life, you're not really going to 
be jumping to talk to your mom about. Right. Yeah. It's not like, oh, baby Dean said his first word today. You know, like that's not going to come up in conversation in the same way. Right. Oh, and also <laughs> Michael and I uh, hooked up with this girl yesterday at an right. EDM concert. Right. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. I mean, it, it is just interesting because we see them sit down with Michael and Uncle Lump and Sheila. They're both there and, you know, holding Michael accountable for what he's done and, and not to excuse what he has done. But once you understand that other layer of Ashley and Michael's relationship, it, it just gives more context to the whole situation. So I do wonder if they would view it differently or if they knew or if they didn't. It, it's kind of hard to know. I feel like if I were him, though, I would make sure that the mom knew the truth. Yeah. You know, like I, I wouldn't want Ashley to sort of throw me under the bus. Like, can you be, like shock and horror? Can you believe he did this? It's a little bit more gray than that. I did want to say in this episode, because I believe in giving kudos or kudos where they are deserved. And Giselle looked really good at her photo shoot with her daughters. Oh, in the gold. Very beautiful. I just thought, yes. well done all around. <laughs> well, yeah, let's talk about the photo shoot. She did look fantastic, which, like you said, kudos to you, Giselle. But, you know, I felt really, really bad for her in this moment. But I think we really got a glimpse into what her future with Jamal is going to look like because he's not really around. Okay, not only that part of it, but the part where producers were like, were you upset? And she got really defensive and said... Do I not seem upset? What do you want me to do about it? People will say that you are letting them off the hook. Are you disappointed? What makes you feel like I'm not? What makes you feel like I'm not? I mean, I was disappointed. What do you want me to do? Fall on the floor and in a fetal position and, and ball out crying? Like, no, that's just not who I am. I just felt like, like you said, getting a glimpse at their future she's always going to have to defend him now. Yeah. You know, everyone knows about him. Everyone knows the mistakes he's made. And I think that that is the sad reality of getting back together with someone who's wronged you is you were going to constantly have to apologize for their behavior. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that producer was Kamar, who we've had on the show, and he's part of the after show as well. And he's been with Giselle from the beginning of the show and has really seen this evolution of her relationship with Jamal. So even though he's a producer and he's really not supposed to take a side or, or whatever, you can kind of almost hear it in the question of like, Giselle, like give us something like, what are you upset about this? And, and it is a moment that feels very real. And it, it's like her walls are up. And she already, like you said, knows she's going to have to defend this relationship as long as she's in it. I, I don't foresee a time when that's not going to be the case. So it, it's just it's a tough decision to make, but if she feels like it's the best thing for her and her family, then, you know, I guess we got to be on board with it. But do we? I mean, because even <laughs> when she's later with her daughters, like, I don't understand where this relationship is going if her daughters are saying, do not ever move us. We don't want to move to Atlanta. Does that want to live in Atlanta one day? No. Never. I like Maryland. Yeah, no. Okay. Maryland's like Maryland. But when we do long yeah. visits, I want to go back home. But we have to have someplace nice to stay. Obviously, but like, it's not like I want to live there. I mean, they're at an age where that would be a very trying thing, you know, to uproot uh, teenagers. And they just are so not on board. Even the idea of the of their dad coming to live with them for a week, they were very 
not cool with. I know. That was so interesting. They were like, what? How long? <laughs> I It just, it is crazy to me that she can be so on board with this relationship then. Yeah, I know. I don't know. There's something I think that we're not getting and maybe at the reunion they'll dig into it. Yeah, I trust that there's going to be something at the reunion about this and and maybe an update from Giselle on on where things stand and how they are planning to move forward in their relationship because right now it feels like a stalemate. Like, I don't know where we go from here. Right. Okay, we talked about this last week, but I'm bringing it up again because it keeps coming up in this episode. I need everyone to stop with the shade about Karen's wig line, okay? Because Karen is quiet about her businesses until it is the right time to announce it. And we've seen her do that so many times with Ladam, with the, you know, um, the, the exploratory phase or whatever it was that she was saying. And, you know, it'll be popping up somewhere very soon. Like she she doesn't get too far ahead of your, herself because then how do you explain when a business doesn't take off? But like leave everybody alone or leave Karen alone. Not just that, but they're talking about how she's probably just the face of this. And, you know, that's okay. But like, they clearly don't think it's okay. But why isn't that okay? Jennifer Aniston is the face of Avino and Smartwater and Emirates. <laughs> like, that's okay. You know? Right. Why is that a problem? Good for her if she's getting money and doesn't even have to be investing in the product. Do you know what I mean? It just is so silly to me. Right. Why is it anybody's business what her business is? Like, just let it be. And she actually mentions in the after show as well that she had started a wig line years ago. And I think it was specifically for cancer patients. And then it didn't really take off the way that she wanted. So that particular uh, initiative was put to rest. And then this one came to be through just like a connection with, you know, the guy that that she partners with. Steven, I think his name was the one who apparently says things about Giselle on social media. And that's why she didn't go. So, you know, everything has a time and a place. and, And I think Karen has been a lot more strategic about who she partners with and like what businesses she wants to get into. And it's not like we've seen, it's not like a Sonia Morgan, like toaster oven, like this movie's being made, like no shade to Sonia. But, you know, Karen, when she says something is happening, seems to follow through with it. So I just don't really understand the, the shade around it. The other point that they're attacking her on is the not drinking. And, oh, will you drink with Monique? So, like, I guess she didn't really have an ulcer. <laughs> right. I don't understand what the big deal is. You know, like, okay, if you go to a work event aren't you going to be watching how much you drink? I mean, I'm not saying you because I don't know that you would. (laughs) I was going to say, I'm not saying in our scenario that that happens when we used to go out for drinks after work, but like, yes, I get what you're saying. Typically a person does because they don't want to make a fool of themselves. What if that's what she's just trying to do is like she knows that she said too much before when she drank and she's going to be mindful of that. I think that's okay. Yeah. She's going to be mindful of her kiki moments is what she calls them. She says she gets one a season and that's it. Plus, I don't blame her for drinking champagne at a one-year-old birthday party because what else are you going to do there? And, you know, not to jump too far ahead, but we're going to talk about it in OC. You know, Shannon is someone who doesn't stop drinking for the cameras. And then that's a problem too for... Yeah. So there is just no winning. Right. No, that's true. One thing that comes up at the wig party once we finally get there is Robin says something about, you know, Karen's drinking and Karen's quick to clap back with... You don't want to hear what Juan says when he's been drinking. Are you afraid of what you might say when you drink? No, I'm not. But you should be concerned about what Juan says when he's drunk. 
Oh, I can. Yes. And so I thought that kind of came out of nowhere. And Robin's reaction was very much like, she's got nothing like that's bullshit, like whatever. But in the after show, you know, Robin says that production actually approached her and was like, what is Karen talking about? Robin was like, it's nothing, it's nothing. But Karen is doubling down like she does in her interview that, you know, it's not empty words. It's a promise that it's coming out on the couch, you know, the reunion. So I don't know if she has something, if she thinks she has something, if she just was deflecting and, and trying to just quickly clap back at Robin. We saw her do it in Portugal at the dominatrix party. I don't know. What is your take? I think it's something. Yeah. And I don't usually say that. Usually I think people are so full of it and just want to say the quickest thing they can to hurt somebody. But I feel like there's something to it. Right. I, I wonder if, you know, because so much of the season has been, you know, Giselle and Robin and everybody, not everybody, but most of the cast sort of against Monique and against then Karen and, you know, Ashley then because they're siding with Monique. I wonder if once we get to reunion, Karen, Monique, Ashley are coming with their own level of receipts, which by the way, we know that Monique has a binder full of receipts that she told Andy about on Watch What Happens Live. So, I mean, this is like nothing is going to go unsaid, I think, at this reunion. She is not for lazy moms. (laughs) (laughs) It's like arts and crafts, you know, you just like make your binder really pretty, which Emily Simpson, didn't she do that her first season? She was like, I got a binder. (laughs) (laughs) Ever the lawyer. Fun fact too, Karen storms out of her party. She ended up at KFC, but apparently had reservations at a steakhouse so I, I don't know ever since giving up meat fried chicken is the one thing I really miss oh yeah I can imagine <laughs> <laughs> sorry <laughs> I'm hungry now <laughs> <sighs> So I spoke with Real Housewives of Salt Lake City's Jen Shaw about our shared connection, why she left the Mormon church, her friendship with Heather, and Coach Shaw's amazing pep talks. Here's that interview. All right, so I know a lot of you guys are already proud members of the Shaw Squad, as am I, so you will be thrilled to know that I am talking today with Jen Shaw. Jen, what's going on? Hi, Eric. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. And of course. We are at Shaw Squad head- Shaw Squad headquarters in Salt Lake City today. The chalet, right? The the Shaw Chalet. The Shaw Chalet, yes. And Stuart is running around here. He's getting lunch right now at Harmon's, which is his favorite place. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think it's so crazy. And I've mentioned this on the show before that you and I have someone in common in our lives who we are both extremely close to. Yes. And it's my girl, Crystal. Crystal. See money. Yes. (laughs) I love Crystal. I've worked with Crystal for so many years. She runs the operations. She's ran the operations in New York for years. Yeah. And because Crystal doesn't mess around. She's Puerto Rican and she she gets it done in New York. That is absolutely true. And the reason I know Crystal is when I moved to New York City, she was my very first roommate. And crazy enough, she turned me on to Bravo really before anybody else. So the fact that we have this connection now and you are a housewife is just crazy. Like I remember I'd come home and she'd be watching Atlanta and then she turned me on to like Beverly Hills <laughs> and the rest of them. And I was just like, what is going on? And then I got immediately hooked to housewives and now look at where we are. And now look at this. It, it, <laughs> isn't that, isn't that crazy? It really is. It's all meant to be, I'd like to think. And when I was working <laughs> with Crystal, you know, at the New York office and kind of going through the process, I was like, oh yeah, I'm doing this, you know, I think reality TV thing. And it was just in the beginning stages. And she was like, yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then when she's like seeing emails come across, she's like, 
are you kidding me right now? Wait, Jen, are you kidding me right now? <laughs> She's like, wait, this is real. <laughs> yeah. Well, she is also a member of the Shaw Squad. Tell us a little bit about the Shaw Squad, the team that you surround yourself with, the people that keep you going. So the team I surround myself with, they are, they're, they're more, they're, they're like my family because they are with me so much with me more than, than my actual family is with me. And they're the people that I rely on. And so my squad is, they stay with me for years and years and years. Uh, because we're a family. I take care of them. They take care of me. And it's more than just, just a job. It's, you know, like I said, it's, it's a family and we're in each other's lives so much, you know, 24 seven, like I maybe am in their lives a little more than they want. Like I'm waiting for Crystal to get, you know, to get married and I'm going to plan a wedding. I just, I need to, I need to get these things scheduled on the calendar. Oh my God. Well, you let me know if you hear before I do, because like I need to I be will. in the loop on that too. Yeah. I'm going to push things along because this, this is just taking way too long. <laughs> well, I want to know too, a little bit about the fan response to the show. I know that once it was announced and everything was out there, just talk about what it's been like to now be sort of at the forefront of, of something like Housewives. You know, uh, when we first were officially announced it was it's almost for me it was just like a surreal experience because it's kind of like okay it's happening but is this really happening or you know it's just I'm just the same Jen Shaw doing business every day running to you know Omar's football practice like doing the same things but then because my family keeps me very humble they literally are like I don't know why Mm -hmm. anybody cares mom (laughs) the boys are like why would anybody want to pay money to go to a cocktail reception that's weird mom they can just say hi to you (laughs) like my my boys keep me very grounded and humble so that's good it's been very though you know the fans though the love you know people reaching out it's it's been great and just with what we're going through right now in america with like the, the social issues voting and all of that it's been you know a blessing to have the platform to be able to you know use my voice you know for what in my opinion are things that i stand for and think are important absolutely and i've noticed just from like what i've seen on fan accounts too is is you know how outspoken you've been is really it's hitting something with them and people are really responding to to the way that you are talking about the issues that are going on Mm -hmm. in in the country and in the world so i i really do love to see that yeah no thank you i think it's i think it's very important i you know the big thing for me is hopefully you know there's not like a right and wrong side. I have what I feel is right. And hopefully I can provide education first for people as to why things that they're saying might be inappropriate or viewed as racist or why, you know, my views are why I feel this way. So hopefully, you know, with some sort of education, it can turn some people's hearts and minds, you know, toward the better. Absolutely. Yeah. And I know we'll see some of that later on this season from one of the super teases that we saw there. There obviously the issue of race and racism does come up. Now, looking back at the season, was there ever a point where you thought like, what did I get myself into? Yeah, there, there was like at Mary's luncheon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Cause we're going to oh, talk okay. about that in just a few minutes. <laughs> that would have been the point where I'm like, what did I do? Just because it hit so close to home and I didn't understand her viewpoints on some of the things I didn't understand, you know, why somebody who I thought would have the same viewpoint as me had a totally different viewpoint. 
I, I didn't understand that. I left that luncheon and was I called Coach Shaw like in tears. Well, we'll get into the luncheon in just a few minutes, but I also want to know, I know a lot of housewives have a group chat with the rest of the cast members. Do you guys have a group chat? We do. We do have a group chat. Who is the most active in the group chat? You know, our group chat is more like, it depends. Like, if Mary Cosby's been up late one night, she's active, okay? <laughs> we get some 3 a.m. novels from Mary. Um, oh my God. <laughs> it, it honestly just depends. Everybody's been pretty, like, Whitney's been very proactive in, like, hey, every, you know, whenever there's something going on, like, Whitney's been great about reaching out, like, when we saw the episode for the first time. So I think all of us, probably Whitney has been pretty active, Heather myself and like again mary cosby you know those 3 a.m's that's that's the witching hour that's when she comes out <laughs> why does that not surprise me <laughs> <laughs> well you know outside of your show too what about other housewives or other bravo celebrities? like now that you are a part of this family have other people reached out to you from bravo yes they have you know lala reached out katie reached out you know before the before the premiere like in the weeks week before something just congratulating saying hey I'm here if you need anything and you know here's my cell phone and then we've I've had you know a few people reach out like from Potomac Dallas have reached out Leanne and Deandra reached out yesterday just wishing wishing me good luck on on the premiere and you know it's it's been it feels good to have that because there's other people it's kind of like a sorority where it's like okay they know what we're kind of going through. So it's nice to have that already like built in sisterhood that you can turn to. Yeah, absolutely. Has anyone given you advice of like, here's what to do, like first season, get ready? Literally uh, the advice that I've received from everybody, because I talked to Melissa yesterday, or I talked to Melissa before early on about, you know, kind of getting her input. And she was like, girl, just be honest. And that's what I've kind of consistently heard with everyone is, just be honest and own it if you do something. Right. Because it's going to come to get you. That's that's reality TV. Right. <laughs> but see, I set myself up to win because I said in the beginning, yo, I'm super f***ed up. So right. <laughs> where can you go from there? Exactly. <laughs> only You can only, only go up. up. From there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, let's talk a little bit of the drama that's happening so far this season, because I need your perspective on a couple different things. Okay. The first thing, at the 20s party, you confront Meredith about going to Mary's church. And, you know, looking back on it now, was it really about Mary or were your feelings just hurt that she bailed on your sleepover? A hundred percent. It wasn't about Mary. No, <laughs> it was, it was because she bailed on the, on the sleepover. Yeah. And I did, I could feel something was wrong and that I wasn't being told exactly what it was. You know what I mean? And I just need to, and, and I had that feeling in my gut, like, yep. I know there's something else going on, but I can't, I don't know what it is. I don't know why she's not telling me. Yeah. So Mary was almost just like the scapegoat. Like that was your way in to confronting her. Yeah. To, and, and also like Meredith, you're, we're friends. If you know what Mary has done and said to me, you know, why are you, you know, besties with her if you can, are concerned about my feelings? And so that was just another way for me to hopefully try to get Meredith to see my point of why I, I wanted to ha start a discussion because Meredith is very like illogical in her thought process, right? So, but yeah, that conversation didn't go as planned. 
<laughs> it never does, right? <laughs> I was honestly surprised, though, that she didn't want to engage and, and got up and walked away. I was honestly surprised at that. Yes, she disengaged. She was like, I am disengaging. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah, I, that was that shocked me and 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 hurt me. I, I mean, like I said, I if you're my friend, I love you and I care. And so when something goes wrong, I have the same like, you know, passion behind it. Yeah. So it, I was hurt, very hurt by it because I didn't expect that. Well, when you're ready to leave the party, we see Heather kind of step into mama mode and she's flagging down Sharif. She's comforting you. She gets you safely into the car. Talk a little bit about your friendship with Heather because there is like a real bond there that we see. You know, Heather and I have had this bond since day one, since we met. We just kind of get each other. We get along really well. She makes me laugh. I make her laugh. And I think we both, it's just like, you can be yourself with each other, you know, good, bad, whatever. You know, we have our 2 p.m. stay in bed Netflix days, you know, Mm -hmm. and we own it. (laughs) So (laughs) we do. And and I think when it comes down to it, like, you know, I think Heather saw that I was hurt and, and wanted to make sure that that I was I was okay. Yeah. Well, we also see you open up to Heather about feeling lonely after losing your father and with Sharif always being gone. So take us back to that time in your life. Like what were you going through uh, after losing your father and with everything going on there? Oh, man, you know, that was the one probably the the single most difficult time that I've had emotionally in my life um, to this point was losing my dad because we're so close and, you know, in the Tongan culture, I'm the oldest and I'm the oldest daughter. So, mm-hmm. which is, I'm the Fahu of the family, which comes with a lot of responsibility. And it was very, very hard for me to, to lose my dad. And, and the way we lost him, it was unexpected. I was in New York working and I, I, I had a lot of guilt because I was working so much. And so guilt played a lot into it too, that, you know, maybe I should have been here more if I would have known I didn't have as much time left with my, with my dad. So that played into it as well. And I, you know, I was in New York and I just had a feeling one day I said, you know, I'm going to go home. Yeah. I need to get back to Salt Lake. I came back to Salt Lake and it was in September, whatever holiday that is. Is Stu, what holiday is that? Labor day? Yeah. Labor day. Stu, you know what? You were slow on that response. Just saying. (laughs) Stu, get it together, (laughs) together, Stu. Stu. You're not on lunch break anymore. (laughs) So, um, yeah, it was Labor Day weekend and it was coming up. So I flew home on a Thursday, called my mom and said, Hey, I'm going to be home. Should we do a barbecue? What are you guys doing for the weekend? And she's like, yeah, come home. We'll barbecue with dad and everything. So on Saturday, I called my mom and she said, dad's not feeling good. She took, she called me Sunday and said, I'm taking him to the ER just because I'm just nervous. I just want him. He just, he's feeling weak and I just want to check him out. So anyway, fast forward, they ended up checking him in on a Sunday. My father passed away the following Saturday. Wow. So I, I was there the whole time. I didn't leave the hospital once. I was right by his side. So I'm grateful for that. But the way it happened, it just, it was unexpected. And I'd never- It gave you no time to prepare. Right. And, and I, I'm very, I am like the strong person in my family. And so I'm the oldest sibling. So I felt like I had to, continue that face to everybody, to all my younger siblings and to my mom and be the strong one. So I didn't allow myself time to grieve. I jumped back into work to try to keep myself busy. I did go, I saw a a therapist once just to talk to her about it and 
she was telling me about, you know, there are real stages of grieving. And I was like, yeah, no, my stages of grieving are, you better get your mind right and keep moving. That was my thought process. And that is so far from the truth. Like, yeah. I could. I don't care how strong you are, how much money you have, what you've got going on. Grief is a real thing, and you need to you need to go let your allow yourself to go through the stages of grieving because I didn't, and it negatively impacted me. Where I blamed a lot of people, I blamed people, the closest people around me, and then Sharif wasn't around because a lot because it was during football season. So I held a lot of resentment toward him because he wasn't there and I was hurting so much. Yeah. But again, I didn't ever really tell him that. Right. Exactly. You you weren't actually going through the proper stages. You weren't communicating properly. You were kind of right. closing things off that should have really been much more open. Right. Like Stuart really took the brunt of it, honestly. <laughs> Sorry, Stu. But he loves me still. I gave him a great bonus. <laughs> I gave him a great bonus that year, so he is so good. <laughs> There you go. Yeah, he's good. He's already forgotten all about it. <laughs> well, we do see you get pretty emotional at Mary's lunch discussing your upbringing. We know that, you know, you were close with your aunt. You, your dad came here from Tonga. Can you talk a little more about what your family life was like growing up? So my dad, and I think I got so emotional at the luncheon too, because, you know, Mary asked a question for us to the group. She said, you know, share something with the group that nobody knows that will help us know you better and understand you better. And I really appreciated Mary asking that question. And I took it to heart and thought, okay, this is my opportunity to explain like my culture and my upbringing to my group of friends so that they can maybe, you know, truly understand me better and why I'm so passionate. So that was what I was attempting to do at the luncheon. And, you know, my father came here with, you know, with nothing. He came here from Tonga. So I'm, you know, like first generation, he was an immigrant and he just hustled and worked and started his, his own business was successful. He started the national American Tongan society in Utah, which is the first one. And then after he started it, there's been others branched out across the United States. So he was very involved in the community and in share, in sharing his success with, you know, the Tongan people, we always had people, Tongan families, Polynesian families, you have cousins, aunts, uncles in your home. And because my dad, you know, was successful, he, you know, in our culture, you give that back to your culture and to the community. And so we always had people in our home staying there or that he would bring over from Tonga that were trying to get, you know, better education or go to college or just better their life. So I grew up, that's what I knew is, is, you know, family was like the core central, you know, unit that was like, that was our core. And then loyalty, respect is very big and, and being humble and sharing. So, and I, you know, my dad came over here with nothing and tried so hard and he wanted his kids to have so much better than he did. And he, you know, coming from where he did, he, he was very successful. And so I felt like I needed to, you know, carry that on. And his example to me of work ethic is where I get that from. And my mom, she's a, a boss bitch too. Okay. Don't sleep on Charlene because <laughs> she is on, Charlene yes, is Charlene. on every committee. 
marching for Congress. It's literally like, mom, slow down. You are literally on 25 committees. This is crazy. And, <laughs> and teaching a class and she got her PhD. So I, the reason I'm all over the place doing 500 businesses at once, I think I get that from my mom and my hard work. You're trying to keep up with yeah, her. Yeah, I'm trying to keep up with Charlene. <laughs> she needs to slow her roll a little bit. Are we going to get to see Charlene on the show? Yes. You know, it's so funny because we call Charlene. It's like our favorite thing to do. If we're out drinking or we're out late and uh, I don't know, we're starting these random conversations. I'm like, you know what? Let me call Charlene. <laughs> and we call her randomly at like 2, 3 a.m. She always answers my phone calls. Always. Oh my God. And gives the best advice and also reminds me of these very traumatic times in my life. <laughs> of where course. I'm like, thanks, mom. Yeah, yeah she's a mom. <laughs> you didn't need to bring that up. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So yeah, you hopefully you'll get to see meet Charlene soon. Yeah, I hope so. And then I also wanted to say, you know, speaking of calling people and getting motivational speaks, I am obsessed with Coach Shaw's pep talk. Aren't those the best? So like, how do I... Yes. Like, how do I do this? Like, can I call him every morning? Like, yes. can we get him to send us a recording for the podcast? Like we need, we need coach Shaw. Listen, whatever you need, I will get to <laughs> And we do that here. Like if I come in the office, cause I need high energy so we can like be positive and motivated and, you know, be innovative here and make money. So if I come in here and Stuart's over there looking pissed off because he doesn't have his harmons, I'm like, you know what? <laughs> team meeting we call coach shaw and i'm like babe we need a coach shaw pep talk i got the team right here and he already knows what that means he's like okay got it and he he gets everyone fired up it's so amazing i mean it's just he gets me just from what we've seen on the show already i'm like yes i need this in my life like at least once a day i know i think i think we're gonna do a coach shaw pep talk app so that all of america has access to coach shaw like you set your alarm and coach shaw's like you know, that's, that's what you mm-hmm. wake up to. Yeah. I Coach can see Shaw. like an Instagram series too. <laughs> like just like videos on your Instagram of Coach Shaw, just like talking us through the day. No, he, I'm telling you, he can get you going. Now, Papa Shaw, that's who we really need the app for. Papa Shaw, Coach Shaw's daddy. That's where he got it from. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yep. Papa Shaw, Coach Shaw. We got so many Shaws, so many Shaws. I love it. There's, <laughs> I, there's so many Shaws. Yeah. The, the Shaws of, of Crenshaw. The Shaws of Compton, the, the, the Shaw family over there, they, you think I'm crazy? Yeah, you haven't seen anything yet. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole other reality show over there. <laughs> entirely, yep. <laughs> you know, the other thing that I wanted to ask you about that I'm so curious is like with Heather and Lisa and this whole like, does she know her? Doesn't she know her? Like, what is the deal? Okay, you know what? I'm glad you brought this up because this is so crazy to me. Obviously, I believe, you know, Heather's my girl, so I'm like, Okay, well, Heather says she knows Lisa. And then Lisa is adamant, like, I don't know her. And I'm like sitting here going, okay, wait, this is like, it's a yes or no question. Doesn't it seem very simple? Right. Like you either went there or you didn't go there. So I don't know what it's, I I, I don't understand why they're, I, I don't, it doesn't make any sense to me. It's getting convoluted with, they knew each other through friends or not friends. You know what I mean? And so right. it's very confusing because to me, I'm like, okay, I'm just going to have Stuart go pull the school transcripts so we can get to the bottom of this because- <laughs> We need receipts. <laughs> yeah. Stuart, get on the receipts, please. Stuart went to BYU. 
Oh, so well, then he's got the there. connection. Yeah. I mean, he went to, on a mission too. Come on, Stu. I, it does to me so far seem to be one of those like Mariah Carey, JLo, like shady I, kind exactly. of like, oh, I don't, I don't, I don't know, know her. her. You know what I mean? Like there's something personal there. I feel like. I don't know her. Yeah. That's why I'm like, <laughs> you either know her or you don't know her. Or the third, it could be, are we pulling a Mary Cosby where you just don't remember? I don't know. <laughs> Straight up. <laughs> 3 a.m., not really sure. (laughs) (laughs) The other thing we see Lisa get into a little bit with Whitney, with this whole like bartender situation at Whitney's vow renewal. And then there's something about these like rumors that she knows. Were you aware of these rumors about Whitney and her husband? No, you know, I wasn't, I didn't hear about this discussion with, with, I think Lisa heard about it. And I think through indirectly through people who knew people, maybe I heard about it, but nothing was like brought to me directly. So I never really, it it was through like multiple, multiple people, but nothing was ever brought to me directly. I think something was brought to Lisa directly is, is I see what I, yeah. I mean, she has a stripper pole, so I mean, I don't know. (laughs) Well, and also (laughs) they mentioned on the show that there's like a strong, swingers community in SLC because, you know, there is polygamy and all of that. So that, I mean, that was a fun fact. I just didn't know before. (laughs) Right. Stuart, is there a big swinger? No, you know what? There's some gym that we heard about. Stuart, this is one of the value adds of Stuart. Okay. Where he brings me these fun (laughs) facts and tidbits (laughs) where there was some There's a gym in Draper where it was like a swinger thing where they would go work out and I don't know how you do it. Stu, put the keys in the bowl. What? (laughs) Wow, you know a lot of details. Stuart says you put your keys in a bowl and you swap them? Stuart. What? Okay. Wow. I I feel like we need to interview Stuart on this podcast because he knows. (laughs) Another moment where I'm like, I don't feel comfortable with your answer, Stuart. I need clarification. (laughs) Crystal, Crystal, what do you know about the swingers gym in Draper? (laughs) Swingers gym and putting keys in the bowl. You know what? I'm on a mission now. I'm going to have, get back to me in a, in a few days. I will, I'll get to the bottom of it. Even if I have to send Stuart and my other three assistants <laughs> there to like, we got to know, you know, do a sting we gotta operation. Know. Yeah. I'd love to know a little bit more too about, you know, converting from Mormonism to Islam and maybe how has your new faith changed your perspective on the world? You know, that's a, that's a great question. I, one of the biggest reasons that I converted from Mormonism to Islam was the example of my husband, Sharif. And in Islam, yeah. you're not supposed to push the religion on anybody. You know, you're, you're supposed to, you know, people, if they inquire and are interested, then that's the time when you share it with them. And so Sharif never pushed it on me, never, never, you know, said anything, you know, about it. Like, Hey, do you want to come to the mosque with me? He never pushed it on me, but because he's such a good person, like he has such a good, genuine and pure heart. That's the, because of his example and the values he has, I'm like, I want my sons to be like that, Yeah, you know? And so that's really why, you know, and, and also because I just, I, I couldn't, get the answers from the Mormon church as to why I needed, I needed somebody to give me an answer as to why blacks could not hold full membership in the Mormon church. That really bothered me because that right there is saying that, you know, blacks are not equal and I'm not okay with that. And so how, how in the world can I subscribe to a religion where 
my sons and my husband are not looked at as equal. I couldn't do that. I can't do that. And that's my whole family was raised Mormon. I mean, me doing this was completely like, even in the time frame I did it in, you know, 20, 25 years ago or whatever, it's, it just was not accepted. Right. But I didn't, I just, I didn't care because in my heart, I knew it was right. And I was going to support my husband and my kids most importantly. And that's what came first. So I made the decision to do that. But in doing that, it's been, it's, I, I, I won't lie. It's been, it's been tough here in Utah, especially in the beginning. You know, there were times when I was afraid because of what's going on in the world news where I would tell my husband, please don't outwardly you know, tell people we're Muslim because I don't want them to come and attack you or us or the kids, you know? And so those are the fears I would live with, you know, when there would be things in the news about, you know, Muslims or Islam and terrorists. I think the important thing for people to realize and consider is there are good and bad people in every religion. It's not, the religion is not teaching that. Mm -hmm. People take their own, you know, perspective on the religion and, and, you know, act on it, how they, you know, perceive that. Yeah. There's been times, especially in Utah where it was, it was hard where I didn't know if, you know, we could outwardly say that it was weird when, because as Muslims, we don't celebrate Christmas. So of course it's like, well, why don't you have your Christmas tree up? Why don't, you know, Right. my family, my, I grew up celebrating Christmas. So that was, that was a difficult tradition for me. I respect the religion. So my mom, we go over there to celebrate Christmas. And I look at it as, you know, we're, it's family time. We're celebrating being together, not so much, you know, the religious side of, of the holiday, but that it's, it's, it, it, it was very hard. It's, it's easier now because things are more diverse. There is more diversity here. And, you know, so it's, it's gotten easier, but it, it is hard. And, it, and there's things that come up from time to time where not only do I, I have to consider the race issues here where, you know, my husband and kids are black. I'm, I'm a woman of color, but then you add on the religion to it and it's just, Mm -hmm. it makes it, you know, even more difficult here in Utah because they don't understand, you know, all of it. It's, it's been more difficult. They have a perspective, a perception of Muslims and it's not always positive. Of course. Yeah. I mean, and just looking back at this year too, you know, what have the conversations been like in your household with everything that's been going on? Oh gosh. You know, it's been just like so many people across the world with the Black Lives Matter movement and everything going on. It's just hit so close to home where that's one reason I just, I'm like, I can't stay silent because I, this is my family. This is, this is my family that I'm fighting for. Yeah. And you know, the discussions we have with our kids, with our boys, I mean, they're much different than, you know, my cast members' conversations that they have to have. I've had this conversation, you know, with Heather or or with Lisa specifically, you know, that she doesn't have to worry. Her kids can go out at nine o'clock at night, you know, run around, go, her son can go drive his Range Rover and she doesn't worry. I worry. My son goes out and drives his BMW and I worry because he's black. I don't want him to get pulled over because they think he stole the car or what's he doing right. because he's black driving a $90,000 vehicle. You know, my youngest son Omar is, you know, heavily involved in football right now and very dedicated to his workout regime and so he has to go run his one and a half miles, 2 miles every night and 
he can't do, he wants to go run it when he gets home from school and it's dark. We live in a, a nice neighborhood and I'm like, you can't run right now, Omar. They see a black teenager running with a hood, hoodie on in this neighborhood. They're going to think you are running from a house. Like that's my thought yeah. process as a mother protecting my black children here in utah and so i'm like okay if you want to run i'm going to follow you in the porsche and, <laughs> and so, that's how it is <laughs> and then Stuart's going to follow me in the golf cart behind right so, it's a family affair and record everything and record yeah so it takes a lot of you know that's <laughs> it's a lot of effort if, if omar wants to go run his mile and a half at night but it's that these, these are the conversations yeah it's something that you live through and, and other people don't and trying to share that experience and get them to understand that those are difficult conversations to have but they're so important right now and I think so many people are starting to reflect on that right and, and having those difficult conversations with people in their lives right I think you know the blessing of this whole 2020 has been that at, I think people are more open to receiving the information and the message now than they have been before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, so guess what? I'll use my microphone and I'm going to get that message out there. Hell everybody. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Jen, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much for talking with me. I'm so obsessed with the fact that you're on this show. Thank you so, so much. Of I course. hope I can meet you in person next time I'm in New York. I know. Yeah. Let me know because, you know, I see Crystal all the time. I got to know when you're here. Yes. Maybe I'll make my way out to Salt Lake City as soon as all of oh this my gosh, you know, coronavirus please. is over. I would love that. I can teach you how to ski on the bunny hill. Oh, you need to teach me how to ski on the bunny hill because <laughs> I am terrible at skiing and everybody who knows me knows it. So I will happily join you on the bunny slope. <laughs> I will take you to the best ski resort where there's an escalator and you ride up on the escalator and then you ski down with a cute little assistant. And then you're like, okay, I'll do that three more times and then let's go get a drink. Right. That sounds <laughs> ideal. Perfect. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, Jen. Thank you. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. It's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Bite.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Bite. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Should OC? Yeah. Okay. I understand it is hard for Elizabeth to hear everyone complain about how much she talks about the divorce and her money, but it is annoying because you're <laughs> only giving us some, you're not giving us everything. And mm -hmm. I get that that's annoying to her too, but at the same time, there's just, you're opening yourself up to this and, and to be a housewife is that you need to expose everything. 
mention it at all. <laughs> and I feel like she's not mentioning it all. Yes. No, I think you're absolutely right. And we see her on the phone with her mom and she's just saying, I don't feel like I have to justify my life. And it's like, well, actually you kind of do because that's what you're doing here. And if you're going to talk about right. these things and you're going to talk about elements of your life, but stop at a certain point and only give us so much you got to expect that people are going to ask questions. I am just mad cameras weren't there longer at the vow renewal reception or the after party, whatever, because apparently Shannon went off on Jimmy. Right. And Elizabeth's like, I have no idea what he said, what set her off because I didn't get to talk to him this morning. And then they get in, they start talking about Shannon's drinking, which ever since Bronwyn got sober, I've been very worried that this is going to come up. Because Shannon was sort of her drinking buddy. The women have mentioned Shannon's drinking before. Yeah. It's been sort of a point of contention, I feel. Yeah. In past reunions and stuff. Yeah. No, you're right. I mean, if the cameras had been there, we would have had a lot more to go on. But right now, looking back at what we saw on camera and Shannon, yeah, she was really drunk, but she didn't seem to be a mess or... Well, maybe a little bit when she was talking to Bronwyn's kids. But, you know, all things considered, she didn't get super angry. We didn't see her get super angry or anything. But I don't know. I wish we knew. And then Shannon last night went off on Jimmy last minute. Shannon did? Yes. She I went don't off like on how Jimmy. you're talking. I don't like your opinion. We were having a great time. Jimmy's all so quiet. Yes. Wait, what did he talk? Did he I don't know what he did. I haven't talked to him yet. He left. I, I do worry about people who lash out when they've been drinking you know if she was yelling at jimmy let's say we didn't we don't we didn't see it but that's what we're being told yeah i just feel like there's always something under that there's something behind it and we'll talk about the mid-season super tease later but is it something in her personal life you know what is sort of underlying that anger yeah no that's true i i guess we're gonna see a lot more of that over the course of the rest of the season. Well, my last thought really on Elizabeth and, and her ex situation is, you know, I don't want my own gag order. So I'm just going to recommend everybody do a little bit of Googling if you want to know some stuff about Elizabeth's ex, because it is out there. I don't know how much of it is true, false, whatever. But after all of this time, you know, this many episodes into the season and all of the discussions she's had about her ex, I was like, I need to know a little bit more than what she's giving us. So you know, I won't say anything, but, you know, do a little Google search and just... I need to. You know, I keep meaning to and I don't. Yeah. I mean, gonna... hopefully, eventually we'll we'll learn more from her exactly. But there, there's some there's some interesting stuff out there. Okay. Well, you mentioned that you thought Giselle looked so fantastic at her holiday shoot with her daughters in the gold. So I'm going to give Gina a shout out because we often, you know rag on Gina a little bit for some of the decisions she's made over the years when it comes to her hair. Maybe not so much her style, mostly just her hair, but I think her new interview look in the orange and like the big gold earrings, like short hair, I think she looks fantastic. She really does. It was a good look for her. Right? It, it seems like she has that glow back and I think the orange helps, the orange and gold, but I think she looks great. So Bronwyn is, you know, really putting in work in her life right now. And I really respect how much effort she is putting into taking care of herself and dealing with her addiction and all of that. And then seeing how supportive she's also being of Jacob and his journey into this like, you know, drag space and all of that. Like that is a lot for someone to be going through. So shout out to Bronwyn because 
That's a lot of balls in the air to be juggling. You know, 10 years ago, that would have been weird for like a teenage boy to be like, hey, I want my makeup done, you know? Now it's like, yeah, come on. Okay. I do love how it's becoming more socially yeah, acceptable. for sure. Why'd you finally ask me for a pair of heels? Felt like a good time. Did you know I was gonna say yes and be cool? I thought you would be like, nah. I think if you had gone to a different school, I would have, I still would have bought them, but I would have been nervous for you wearing them to school. That's what I expected. I just think it's so cool, Jakey, that you're secure enough to do all this. I mean, I'm not gonna lie, I would not have been so secure to be myself at your age. All I wanted was to be like everyone else. Confidence. That's so good. Looks so good. Yeah, I am mean, very proud of you for just owning this. Yeah. I, I find myself really like holding my breath during her moments on the show. I just feel like I'm watching someone who's headed for a breakdown or <laughs> right. it's sort of the end of their rope because she is, she's just taken on so much and it's all so emotional and heavy, you know? I don't know. Yeah. Well, and it's also the, the layer of being on a TV show. I mean, you're still dealing with cameras in your face, guys in your house, you know, trying to have these conversations. They're all preparing for coronavirus at this point, too. So it makes sense that everyone's anxiety is just at 100 right now. Can we talk about the mid-season super tease? Yes. Here's audio for The Real Housewives of Orange County mid-season super tease. Later this season on The Real Housewives of Orange County. Everything's changed. This is never anything that's ever happened in the world. But what if I die? All right, let's get you on your Zoom. You like my mask? I've been wearing the same shirt for three days. That's the universe telling us it's gonna be okay. Look at how Kelly's cooking. Ah! This is what it's like if you got implants. Right there. Oh, what is it? Ah! Oh! oh my God! That's somebody getting eaten out there. Cheers to COVID free. I'm gonna recommend that you social isolate. I just got a phone call and I tested positive. <coughs> Emily's struggling right now. Yeah. Shape's not better, it's not getting any better. I couldn't do anything to help him. I'm just becoming a roommate and someone that you don't really want to be around. What's going on with your girlfriend? Oh, yes. I love her. I create rules, they need to be followed. Why are you saying this all of a sudden? I don't know, what do you think? I don't think things with her and John are good at all. It wasn't that perfect fairy tale. Quarantine didn't just separate us, it divided us. You're the richest bitch in Newport! She's full of sh full of sh I have this secret that I carry around with me my whole life. She yeah. makes you look normal, and that's hard to do. <laughs> Someone told me that you hate Newport Beach. I did say that. Say so then get the f out. She just has a bad attitude. I, what else can I do for you so that we can drop this? You don't make sense. Wait, you never shut the f up and listen. So who's pulling the stick out of Rowan's ass? Sorry, that's not COVID approved. Okay, I just feel watching it, mm -hmm. sort of watching the end of this episode, watching the mid-season super tease, made me just feel very uneasy. And I think it's, it's also how I felt watching Southern Charm this week because you know they picked up after shutdown. So we see them living their lives again and watching this mid-season super tease for OC I find I, do you feel weird because it's like but I feel like my life in New York has not picked up in that way yeah no totally I, I definitely felt that way watching this week's Southern Charm I think what I took away from the Orange County super tease is that they're, they're getting back into their lives but this particular group coming out of 
the pandemic and everything that happened in 2020, like Bronwyn says, there is a divide. Like things are not going to be the same among these women by the end of this season in a completely different way. It's going to be completely different than the way it started. And that feels very weird. That feels like, I don't really know yeah. what will the reunion look like? I mean, it's it's like, whose side is anyone going to be on? Who's talking to who? Nobody seems to be talking to Bronwyn. Like, yeah. it, it does seem like things are going to escalate very quickly. And part of it is the pandemic. Part of it is is everything else that happened this year and how outspoken Bronwyn is and all of that. But yeah, it does feel a bit uneasy, right? Yeah, I guess maybe in part, I'm a little bit jealous. I mean, you and I have not seen each other physically since no, March. No, I know. Like, <laughs> like we talk every week. So I feel like, yeah, I mean, more than once a week. It's like more than just this. But it is crazy to think that other people in other parts of the country and even other parts of the world, they got back to normal in a different way than we did at a different level than yes. we still have. Yeah. And, and maybe that is like a New York thing. I, I I don't know, but it definitely is just, it is different. Right. I will say for this episode too, the most New York thing that's ever happened on Orange County is putting Gina in an Italian market. Like, come on. <laughs> oh my God. To me, an Italian market is like home. I love the pizza. I love the pasta. I love Donna behind the counter. Hi, it's nice to I just can't get enough of it. God, she was so happy. <laughs> she was like lit up, just like so excited to be there. It was just like she was just home again, you know? Yeah. Salt Lake City? Sure. Okay. So I just want to say that I also think that this is this we're getting a rare experience watching first season Housewives, right? Like being on the show will change them in ways they don't even know. But one of the ways I feel that Meredith is very innocent is she was talking to Jen at the beginning of this party. Jen is lit up like a Christmas tree. And <laughs> she's like, Meredith, why aren't we hanging out tonight? What's happening? And Meredith could say, you acted crazy in front of my kids. My son thinks that I shouldn't be hanging out with you. Right. But Meredith says that she didn't want to bring it up at the party, a.k.a. on camera. And I just felt like that was the most unhousewife thing ever. Like these women usually hold on to things and wait until the cameras start rolling. And they're like, you did this and you did this. But it was like Meredith was like trying to save her the embarrassment. Yes. Yeah, that's true. I think it's a testament to to Meredith and who she is and her friendship with Jen in a lot of ways, because, I mean, it just reminded me of Orange County and Emily not bringing up Gina, you know, her ex Matt having an affair. Like right. she kept that oh, off of yes, cameras yes. for at least a whole season until Gina was ready to talk about it. So I think that just goes to show that Meredith does care about Jen and is loyal to Jen and cares about her in a way which is not what Jen is saying in this moment. And you know, Jen has had a bit to drink, so she is acting up. But I mean, on the flip side with Jen and, and everything she's talking about, it's a bit hypocritical of her to be talking about Mary's family in the way that she is, if that's why she's mad at Mary to begin with, because of the hospital comments and her aunt. Like, if you don't want Mary coming for your family, don't go for hers, even if you feel a type of way about her relationship, you know? It just doesn't seem right. Oh my God, Jen is, she is an interesting character when she drinks. That is for sure. And it was just so funny to watch all these women react to it. Like, 
here we go again. (laughs) Right, right. This isn't the first time, right? Like it was like Heather, Heather like sat back and kind of watched it all unfold and knew exactly when she needed to step in to like get Jen out of the situation. But she was like, oh, well, you know, it's not, not ready yet. Not ready yet. And then once it got to a certain point, Heather was like, all right, she's got to go. I am worried for people's livers when we can go to bars and like hang out again. Like just that first night people (laughs) hang out again. I feel like we're all going to be a bunch of Jen Shaws. <laughs> right. Well, I hope we all wear beautiful gowns with like long yeah. trains that like need to be carried in by your assistant. Like <laughs> that would oh. just be fantastic. I felt so bad for Coach Shaw. He has to come pick her up and deal with that on his car ride home. Well, that being said, we know all about his pep talks now. So I'm sure she got into that car and he might not have been able to really get through to her in that moment. But if he's good at those pep talks and he gives them to her all the time, he might have been the perfect person for her to be with in that moment because he probably knows exactly how to deal with it. Well, I want to get into Meredith and Lisa and this moment they have together while they're doing some shopping. First, I love that Lisa just wants to touch everything in this art gallery, which like the number one thing you're not supposed to do in an art gallery is touch things. (laughs) That is so cool. Can I touch? But you know, that's just part of the charm. But we do get to see a much softer side to Lisa than I think we have. And it's in this moment where Meredith reveals like we're separated and Lisa just gets so visibly upset about it because she just like is heartbroken right she clearly loves them as a couple and you can see why they seem great together and i did like that we got a little bit more insight into what's happening with meredith and her husband because i told you last week i was so confused about the whole situation but they're saying we are separated but we're only dating each other and we're dating each other trying to like figure out if we can make this work that makes sense to me. Right, right. And now we have a little bit more context too about why Jen was so hurt by Meredith because Jen knew about this separation and was one of the only people who knew about it and really felt like this connection to Meredith and, you know, we're loyal to each other. I'm such a good friend. Why is she teaming up with Mary or whatever? But Jen also reveals the separation to Heather, who then later on in the episode (laughs) reveals the separation to Whitney and this game of telephone just ends up happening, which of course we love on Housewives. Like we, that's just exactly what we want. But just, you know, I feel bad for Meredith in that moment because now it's out there. It's pretty much everybody knows. I supported her because she's going through her separation. Wait, and they're separating? And really like that's a mark of someone's character. Are you going to spill the secrets when you're not in a good place? Right. And Jen did. Yeah. That's true. But Jen looked so good at Heather's. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like she was like, how's my look? Oh, well, okay then. <laughs> I mean, I was like distracted, like her hair to the side. Like I thought that was such a good look for her. And I just the whole time I was like, damn. And I do really like Jen's friendship with Heather. And it's almost like those opposites attract kind of thing where they balance each other out. And I feel like it just, you can see why they work because they are so different, but they genuinely seem to care about each other. Okay. <sighs> Maybe I wasn't paying attention. You need to explain to me this Met Gala party. (laughs) Well, I'll do my best to explain it, but I'm not sure I can. (laughs) What was the party? It was Mary's. Uh Uh-huh. Yes. I I mean, 
the goal, I think, was to get everyone together for a luncheon to air out any dirty laundry, get things out in the open. I think she really set it up being like, oh, am I going to invite Jen? I don't know. I think she set it up so that she would ultimately get an apology from Jen. But I'm not sure that's going to happen. We have a to be continued, so I don't know. But what does a luncheon have to do with the Met Gala? Well, I think the real question is, you know, for anyone who knows the Met Gala, every year it it's there's a theme to it. So if the theme is Met Gala, you still have to pick a theme. <laughs> you know that's what I mean? Like it, every year it's like, what was the most recent one? I think it was, um, you know, camp. Like, and you're supposed to do something campy. You know, it just you have to narrow it down a little bit more. And and I think Heather is the one who even says in her interview, like, I'm not sure Mary even knows what the Met Gala is, but she knows it's like a fancy event. So she just themed it that way. But you definitely need to to narrow it down a little bit more. <laughs> Whitney makes me laugh because she's like, it's one o'clock in the afternoon and there's a red carpet and beef eaters. Like, what is happening? <laughs> there's beef eaters and a red carpet at noon in Salt Lake City going on here it makes no sense but it actually screams mary right i could just imagine it's just like a tuesday (laughs) and this restaurant is like not even open yet and this woman comes in and she's like flying off the handle with all of these things that she needs done and she's practically cursing out her helpers for like turning things upside down and the name tags or whatever it was i was like oh man (laughs) i also just want to say that i at the met gala i don't think Anna Wintour invites all of the people attending to sort of air out their grievances. <laughs> no, no. I mean, that'd be wanna... great, but <laughs> you know, I don't think that's what's happening. No, Anna Winter does not want to hear from you at the Met Gala. She just wants to see what you're wearing. <laughs> well, I know that this episode is to be continued, so there's definitely like an explosion to come between Jen and Mary. And we don't get an apology, which might have been what Mary was hoping for. But we do get Jen really opening up about losing her father, her upbringing, and kind of explaining a little bit more about why she is the way she is in her friendships and in her life. And I mean, what a monologue, right? Right. But I think the apology for Mary should have maybe been the headline of the <laughs> monologue. Or at least the conclusion, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, I, what? Maybe she doesn't remember, though, that she screamed that out. I don't know. She did apologize to either Lisa. Meredith. Was it Meredith for saying, like, fuck you or something? Which I don't even remember her saying that, but... Oh, I do. She because she sort of mouthed it. She was like, "Fuck you." Oh, okay. I totally yeah. missed that. I just liked Meredith being like, "I'm disengaging now. I am no longer engaging." Like when we watched that episode, Danny was like, "That's going to be your line from now on, isn't it?" And I'm like, "Yeah," because obviously we say housewives lines all day long in the house. <laughs> yeah, it's how of we course. stay sane, and so that's definitely one. It's ob- it's also the mark of someone who spent some time in therapy. I think you know to be like, "I'm disengaging." Right. <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> absolutely. Or it's like the moment earlier this season between Lisa and her husband where he was like, "Do you want me to just listen?" or do you want feedback you know (laughs) which good for them they're all very well adjusted people right yeah we are definitely seeing therapy at work on this show for sure (laughs) thank you i'm disengaging i'm not engaging are you serious okay should we do rose and thorn yes Okay, let's do Rose and Thorn. Okay, what was your Rose? Okay, so it's from Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Because as I had said earlier, I just love that the women had clearly, this was not the first time they saw Jen in this state. And Whitney mm-hmm. says, oh, I think I think Jen needs our help. 
and Heather looks over and then she goes, oh, fuck that. Like just in a way that (laughs) I'm not getting involved when I see her like that. And I thought that, again, a very unhousewives move. Usually they are ready to pounce at the first sign of drama. But these are more innocent women who are like, you know what? Not today. Right, right. I also love the moment and almost made it my rose where Heather did get up to go help Jen, but she was like, protect the food. <laughs> like she didn't want it. <laughs> I was like, that is a move any of us would make in that situation for sure. No one hangs. Don't clear the burger. Okay, well, my rose is from Southern Charm and it's mostly the editing in this moment, but also these two moments that happened. But Austin's sister telling him that he needs to step it up for Madison. Meanwhile, her mom is over here like empowering her with this speech being like you don't need him at all like he's below you and like Austin's sister is like you need to get on her level and it was just such a perfect example of like why their relationship just keeps falling apart like Austin just cannot step it up enough for Madison. I'm turning 30 this year. I have a five-year plan. I'm just trying to you be an You think you're adult. doing more than Austin is, like getting it done kind of thing? Exactly. And he's not? He's doing actually the opposite of what I'm doing. What's he doing, sitting around playing games? Like video games and- It's not life. sexy, is it? <laughs> That's for sure. No. The pandemic, you know, hit. Right. And during that time, you know, I was freaking hanging with Craig. We were being idiots. Who was your daddy and what does he do? We're gonna start doing a bar takeover series, so um, this which is, is the first one, which is of course closed. Yes. Do you like cats? Like real cats or like a movie? Actually, yeah, we had the back roll out of. <laughs> Ow! Does it bother her when you're hanging Idiots. out a lot? She thought that like I chose him over her, and I'm like, it's just not true. She like put me in the back seat. She like went to the gym every day, went on like a juice cleanse, and was just like, I'm gonna change my life. You sound like you're making fun of it. Like, like she was like, this is what I'm doing. I'll see you when I see you. Right. Maybe Madison's on to something. Who the hell side are you on right yeah, now, Katie? Yeah, I feel like, uh, what are Katie, you, you are, are you kidding no. me? She has a kid. You either get serious, you get out. And I've been telling you that for a year. Sometimes when you share some of these stories, it makes me think, are you guys really compatible? She's a mom. It's a different level of adulthood. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing. I, th- I think her being a parent changes everything. And I didn't really think of it as much last season as I do now. But now that we've really seen her with her son and she's on the show more and it's not just, you know, Austin's girlfriend that's there. Like, we're, we're seeing a lot more of who she is. And it just, I don't know. I, I wish they could work because I do feel like he does care about her and vice versa. But he's got to get it together. What was your thorn? My thorn was, you know, Bronwyn was in the kitchen talking to her husband and daughter about COVID and everything. And her daughter is getting very anxious. She clearly, uh, she talks about she suffers from anxiety and from OCD. And maybe Bronwyn was trying to distract her by talking about her own issues. But I just felt like for Bronwyn to then say, I'm really worried I'm going to relapse right now. I was like, oh God, you know, like, I don't know if this is the moment to be sort of piling on when your daughter's already sort of worried about enough right now. Yeah, no, absolutely. Maybe not the time and the place going into a quarantine lockdown and your daughter just expressed how stressed she is. Like, 
she's going to need support from her parents and the family just as much as everyone will need. And, right. you know, to be fair, as much as Bronwyn will need. But yeah, it kind of made me be like, oh, dear, like this is... Uh, I, right. Let's not pile it on Rowan, please. What was your thorn? <laughs> uh, my thorn comes from Below Deck, and it is the snow crab salad presentation that Chef Rachel put together because... I'm sorry, but it did look incomplete. Like, I think you need to add a garnish. You need to do something. Like, I understood where the guests were coming from being like, something appears to be missing from this plate. And, you know, I do like the sort of minimalist, like simple style, but just like add a little something just so they know that something isn't supposed to be there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, speaking of Below Deck, Below Deck fans, we're breaking out our recaps in separate episodes, so be sure to check that out. And we'll be back with an all-new episode next week. And remember, watching Bravo isn't a guilty pleasure. It's self-care. Let's keep the conversation going. We want to talk to you all week long. You can find us on Instagram at Bravo Daily Dish and on Twitter at Bravo TV. Just don't forget to use the hashtag Bravo Daily Dish or reach out to us personally. I'm everywhere at Meg Segura and I'm everywhere at Eric J. Mack. That's E R I K. And if you're on Facebook, join the Daily Dish Facebook group. You can post about what you're watching, your favorite shows, who's your favorite housewife, ask a question, start some drama. There's a lot of good stuff in there, so check it out. You can also learn more about the podcast at bravotv.com. Bye, guys. Bye. Looking fine, and I got my girls with me. With the boys at the table getting tipsy, miss me, kiss me one more time. Welcome to Pura, the most pristine, safe, climate-stable city on Earth. A haven amidst the wreckage. Here, you're safe from heat domes, superstorms, water bandits in the outer lands. There's no crime in Pura, no murder, no suicide. And best of all, there's no cost to join us. In Pura, we promise to keep you safe. They killed her! You took everything! In a world that doesn't feel so safe anymore, we're waiting for you. The Last City is a new scripted audio drama from Wondery. Enjoy The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City right now ad-free on Wondery Plus. Get started with your free trial at wondery.com slash plus. Hey you, it's Jason Bateman. Have you listened to Smartless? Smartless is the podcast that I host with my friends who are more like brothers. The super talented and funny Will Arnett and Sean Hayes is JJ well, JJ JJ. Why are you yeah. why are you whispering? Well, it, there's there's a pst in the in the in the copy. But people are listening, so it's like they are listening. Like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. In each episode of Smartless, one of us reveals our mystery guest to the other two. What ensues is a genuinely improvised and authentic conversation. Our mystery guests span our mystery. We'll cut this out. Too. Our mystery guests. All right, here we go. We got a lot of big famous people from different walks of life. And if you're yeah, a Wondery fan, then you're going to just you come and listen Tyson. to it. Yeah. We're on Wondery right now and you can listen uh, to us. And no matter what you're doing, you're at the gym or you're in the car, just listen yeah. to the podcast. Sean, tell them where they can find it. Follow Smartless on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Smartless ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Bye. Bye. Bye.